98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station, Bigly Blast. This much is clear about our newest phenom in Arizona sports. Good won't be good enough when it comes to Corbin Carroll. His debut on Monday made that perfectly clear because it was a production. There was a pregame press conference. His minor league coaches were flown to Arizona to be part of the historic occasion. And when Carroll shook off his defensive jitters and played a role in a wild comeback win against the Phillies, it felt like a plane successfully leaving the runway. Now I give credit to the Diamondbacks. In the midst of an impressive youth movement, they know they need a jolt of star power, and they made a production out of Corbin's debut, setting the narrative immediately. Remember the debut of Uptown in right field for Justin Upton? Trust me, it sounded like a good idea at the time. But the Diamondbacks have effectively doubled down with Carroll, elevating him before the rest of the September call-ups, making it clear to the player what they hope and what they expect from him in the future. And this team needs this badly. The current youth movement is full of serious-minded, ambitious young players who are bringing a lot to the table. They've got four left-handed hitting outfielders, which is very veered. Throw in Zach Gallon and Merrill Kelly, and you can see the makings of the next playoff baseball team in Arizona. But the Diamondbacks need a face of the franchise. They need a star. In fact, they They need a straw that stirs the drink. Let's hope this one is more than a hollowed-out hot dog. Today's Bickley Blast brought to you by my great friends at Chapman BMW. I'm glad you yo-yos got that. They make luxury affordable in two great locations and one great experience. Find them online at ChapmanBMW.com. Swing and a floater. There's his first big league hit. It's going to score two. Carroll's on his way to second. He's got a two-run double, and the Diamondbacks lead it 9-7. Welcome to the big leagues, Corbin Carroll. Perfectly served out in the left center field when he's given the Diamondbacks a 9-7 lead. They've come back from a 7-0 deficit. Yeah, Greg Schulte on the call. Corbin Carroll's first hit, a big one for the Diamondbacks in that 13-7 win. Um... Look, we talked about this yesterday. You called it must-see TV. Um, I certainly was well more tuned into last night's game than other Diamondbacks games, and, and I watched my good share, a fair share of Diamondbacks mm-hmm. games. When Steve Gilbert from MLB Network or uh, MLB.com tweeted about on Sunday that the the, the uh, Diamondbacks were going to call up Corbin Carroll, I retweeted it, and all I said was, "Here we go." Dot dot dot. Yeah. Didn't think much of it. Wow. Thought it was pretty, yeah, that's How pretty, dare you? pretty impactful, right? Uh, it's very deep. Oh, There's gosh. a lot of hidden meaning. He's going to dunk on a listener. Do it! I, I'm only, do- and I'll explain why I'm even bringing this up because right. you made a reference to it about ownership. Like, oh, if Corbin Carroll's great, they're just going to trade him anyway. I got called out uh, by Master Troll Richard, who calls the radio station all the time. Uh, and when oh, he can't get through, oh, okay, I didn't, I did, okay, so you, so okay, so you know who this guy is? Oh, you know who he is too. Okay, I, I didn't, read, I'm sorry, I didn't read, it, I didn't read the thread. Oh, I saw okay. the thread and I didn't read it. But I, he he responded with, "Here we go, what, Murata? Another rookie coming up that will be traded as soon as his first payday comes up. Here we go, what? Are the Diamondbacks going to the playoffs? I'll say, here we go, and the D-backs are sold to an owner that will do what it takes to win. You're a kiss ass." Oh, the, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Forgive me 
for not projecting six years into the future when I'm being ex- excited about something. Remember, you, you know, you go on your first date mm-hmm. and you're excited about it. Richard's philosophy is don't be excited about it. It's just going to end up in a painful breakup <laughs> slash divorce six years later. So why do that? I want to watch the kid play baseball. And the only reason I'm bringing this example up, Bick, is because there were people that got in on the thread and agreed with this thinking. Uh, that's because there's a lot of frustration for Ken Kendrick. And I understand it. it. Yeah. As a Diamondbacks fan since day one, yeah. I get that frustration. Yeah. Yeah. It always wasn't that way. Um, and this is a very critical juncture for this organization. Let's face it. We've talked about it a lot. This is the first time they are equipped to have a homegrown team of viable star major league players that three, four years down the road could be a World Series contender. Right. So that fear exists. I well, get it. But I'm not going to get wrapped up in six years down the future on what's going to happen with ownership when I just want to see Corbin Carroll play baseball on a Monday night. I'm yeah. sorry. No, listen. No, I, I, listen, I completely agree with you, um, but I also understand that sentiment because the Paul Goldschmidt thing is just came through town and it's very, very real and it's kind of I think it's kind of drudged some of that stuff back up. And, and, and I do think those are le- legitimate questions but they sh- they're questions that can exist apart from what you said. You can enjoy what you're watching right now, and you should. We've been talking about this in, in reference to other baseball teams and the Padres, who at one point in time had that guy in Fernando Tatis Jr. Mm-hmm. What they have in him now, uh, we're, we're going to find out. But Now he's losing sponsorships. Adidas dumped him. Is that right? That? Yeah. Okay. So, so to me, and all along we've been talking about whether it's been Dalton Varsho who came up here and then Alec Thomas who came up later and then just all the guys together, even Jordan it, Lawler on the farm. It, yeah, yeah, Stone Garrett coming out. Shut up, Garrett. <laughs> <laughs> You've got we. Where is the guy? Where's the guy that's going to be that guy who the, the face of this franchise? The Diamondbacks haven't had one, you could argue, since Paul Goldschmidt. You thought for a minute. Cattell Marte was going to be that guy. Cattell Marte's devolved. He's become less than he once was. I and, agree with that. And so I think they badly need this. They need somebody to be the guy who sort of leads the the whole thing. So we're hoping that Corbin Carroll is going to be that kid. And it's it's a lot to ask, but it was it, the fact that the Diamondbacks made it as much of a production as they did is quite something. It is. It, it, it it's unlike anything we've seen in a very long time. And I get I give him credit that for the it. wound is still open on the Goldschmidt trade, mm-hmm. which was doubly bad because as as we've discussed. I think the D-backs miscalculated what Paul Goldschmidt was going to get on his next contract, and they certainly missed in what they got in return. They were hoping for three building block prospects, mm-hmm. and they got maybe one now. Carson Kelly had a big hit last night. Uh, that trade has not worked out well. No. Uh, and it, it's, it's been a double whammy, and it's going to be a triple whammy when Goldschmidt is holding up the MVP trophy at the end of the year, too. Oops. I, I get it. But... This this is a different situation than that than we've been in. Yeah, and and I, I thought to myself, like I said, I said earlier in the program, Buck Showalter used to have this saying. He'd call it baseball the little white rat, and he had this this analogy that the little white rat's gonna find you. Mm-hmm. And it was just kind of what he used to tell us. I go, this guy's weird, but he <laughs> but his his theory was not he veered? He veered. His theory was that that the baseball would somehow find a way to find you. 
if you were the weak, if you were the, what's the word that Devin Booker and Chris Paul, the pigeon. If you were the pigeon on yep. a baseball field, if you were a newcomer, if you were playing a new position, if you just got called up, it, it, it would find you immediately. And that's exactly what happened to Corbin Carroll last night. You know how many people listening are going back to their childhood days where they were standing out in the outfield going, yeah, don't, don't hit, hit it to me. me. Please don't. That's such a terrible feeling to be on a baseball field praying the ball doesn't come to you. Yeah. Oh, please. Oh, please don't. Oh, dear please, God. Don't. Oh, please don't. Please <laughs> just hit it to him. But uh, to, and, some, to some. Oh, up, no, it's coming right at me. Mom! To sum up my point on this whole Corbin Carroll excitement, and I, there's a lot of people that feel like I do and that you do, like let's enjoy this in the moment right mm-hmm. now. If you are not one of those people that can sit back and enjoy you know, a top prospect coming through the system and making his debut and, and you know, charging up the, the, the fan base and the franchise, if you can't see past the ownership and six years down the road, or whatever it is, the inevitable conclusion of the of this you know saga. Yeah, don't be a fan. There's but but no point in being a fan. But don't get on me for enjoying it in the moment. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. Okay, well said. I, I think there was I think there was an element of that with Robert Sarver for a while before before Monty Williams and James Jones before all this. The good stuff happened. I, I got that to a degree with Devin Booker. I was on board with Devin Booker pretty much from year two on, and and oh, he's not going to be here. This team he's sucks. Not gonna be here, he's going to leave. Yeah, there was a he's, lot of that. He's going to tap yeah. out. He's going to yeah. ask his way out of town. Yeah. No, listen, it's it's bad owners. They're the worst thing that can happen to a sports town, and and it's it. I, the Diamondbacks. I don't think the Diamondbacks are going to make another Paul Goldschmidt mistake. You would hope. You would hope that that they would recognize and identify the, the best of these prospects. They're gonna have to pay. They've got to stop paying pitchers, aging pitchers. That's that's the folly. That's the madness. Any guys come to mind for you, Dan? <laughs> mm. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> madness. Halfway there. Mad. Mad. Bumness. Mason. Son. Zach. Granky. Who? Zach was okay. Zach, Zach turned it around. And but Zach started. But Zach got, got off to a rough start. Him. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's yeah. They did. Yeah. All righty. Uh, I'm still excited. And Guess you know what? what? I'm and watching now, tonight too. And now, well, yeah. Zach Gallen has got. He he's getting into Oral Hershiser territory. Not quite yet. Well, not quite yet. But, but hey, you can't get to 59 innings without 27. <laughs> <laughs> Coming up next, it's roster cut down day in the NFL. What does it mean for the Cardinals? We'll get into it. It's Bickley and Murata mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Dan Bickley and Murata. Bickley and Murata mornings. There's a bunch. I mean, there's some deep rooms. Um, there's some guys we would hate to, to see on other teams just with potential and how they played in this camp. And so um, it's a good problem to have, but we, we have to try to make the right decision and do what's best for the organization. It's Cliff Kingsbury, head coach of the Cardinals, Saturday after the uh, preseason finale in Tennessee against the uh, Titans on how many roster decisions are left to make. He said a bunch, some deep rooms. We've seen some of the names trickle out. There's been official releases of three players. 
uh, including Josh Jackson, who was let go yesterday. There's been rumors on a couple of others. Devon Kennard among them, Jace Whitaker, uh, Chandler Wooten, the linebacker, although there seems to be uh, an inkling of thought that if he can get through waivers, they'd like to bring him back to the uh, to the practice squad. Something happened today in the NFL, Bick, that I think is interesting. What's that? Um, and that is the Saints are trading DB Chauncey Gardner-Johnson to the Eagles. They like their depth in the secondary, so they're trading him. He played a lot of slop, but he's a safety by trade, and they expect him to be a full-time safety with the Eagles. But um, he was you know, wanting a contract extension. And instead of signing him to the extension with the depth they have, they turned it into assets coming back, and he gets maybe that extension somewhere else. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if that thinking might apply today for the Arizona Cardinals. Maybe to some. I mean, we're all counting on Marcus Golden to be, you know, the the primo pass rusher for right. his defense this right. year. He wants the contract extension. He hasn't practiced or participated in in quite some time. And mm-hmm. you'd think the Cardinals, if uh, you know, if it was that, it's, and people suggest it's so easy to make Marcus Golden happy because he wants to be here. I'm wondering if he's a candidate for a trade today. Ooh. Yeah, that now that's interesting. Just spitballing. Well, to me, it just it's just it, it really honestly seems like to me that it wouldn't take much to make Marcus Golden happy. I think it just I just think they need to give him a little kiss if you if you know what I'm saying. I just But I wonder where he is on that yeah, line too maybe. because you know, there's three or four names of players that are wanting and probably deserving of contract extensions at this point. Where mm-hmm. where do they place him on that list? And does he feel like he's getting left good out? Question. I don't know. Just thinking about it. No, it's a good question. I think I think there's some people. Clearly, there's some people surprised about the Cardinals letting Devon Kennard go. Devon Kennard letting him go saves the team money because they're deciding that a couple of the guys that they've seen at linebacker, my J. Sanders, Jesse Lucetta, that that. They can give the team what Devon Kennard gave the team. And as you pointed out, Devon Kennard's production has not been it's not been good. He hasn't been a productive player, but at least he's a guy with experience who has played well at times in the past. And so now you're making this decision based on what you've seen in the preseason. You hope you're right. And again, I I know people might be tired of me saying this. I, I had a guy who knows football really, really well rave about Jesse Laquetta. I think he's been okay. He hasn't been rave worthy. But but I think th- th- they're seeing adequate replacements in that. Uh, the Chandler Wooten thing is interesting because the kid played with a lot of energy, a lot of speed, a lot of a lot of savvy. Mm-hmm. He knows how to get to the football fast, and so you so you're rolling the dice that nobody else saw that on tape to the point yeah. where they're interested because he's not a small school kid. He played at Auburn. That is true, um, and he did have the interception, and like you said, mm-hmm. did, did make some plays. That's Carlos uh, Dansby, you baby. Yeah, Kennard, by the way, in his first year as a Cardinal, uh, started four games, played in thirteen, had three sacks, nineteen total tackles, um, five tackles for loss, nine quarterback hits. So, for a rotation guy, not bad numbers. Last year, fifteen games, three starts, didn't have a sack, had more tackles for loss, but only two quarterback hits. Mm. So I wonder how much that factored. Because I actually thought Kennard in, in his limited reps in the preseason looked pretty good. You, you noticed him when you watched right. the preseason games. but um, Preseason doesn't matter. It, yeah, apparently it doesn't matter because they are uh, putting their faith in, in the younger guys. No, yeah, listen, it, again, it, it's you have to be really good at player evaluating to, to, to notice what a player is doing and put it in its proper context. Kennard was uh, signed the same year as Jordan Phillips, right? Yes, those were like those. Yes. Those were their two big like defensive yes. signings, and man, oof, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Uh, not good return. He used to be a ca- he was a captain in Detroit. But even so, I mean, Denard, uh, Devon Kennard, uh, even as a starter, never had more than seven sacks in a single season mm-hmm. in the NFL, which was surprising for anybody who watched him in high school here and then uh, at USC. He was a monster. Uh, Devin Kennard also had a, a he agreed to a pay cut in March to stay in Arizona. Whoops. Um, that may be the impetus for the cold world tweet that he uh, put out that's, there. There you go. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what it is. I helped uh, you out, now you're going to cut me? Mr. Kennard, we'd like to take another pay cut down to zero this time, if you could. <laughs> yeah. And that. what Vinny's referring to is that Devon Kennard tweeted out yesterday afternoon something about it's cold world, man. Going to have to find out where I land next. That that, that explains that. That's, yeah. Vinny, Vinny Joe connecting the dots. We'll, That's well done. We'll get some finality on the roster. And, you know, it, it's not going to be etched in stone. Obviously, you get down to 53, and there's still a lot of maneuvering that goes on among teams. But mm-hmm. people still wondering about the future of Andy Isabella, the future of, of Greg Dortch, the future of Daryl Williams, uh, you know, some other guys. Keontae Ingram. Uh, Keontae Ingram. What, what happens at the cornerback spot? I mean, I don't think they can cut any other corners. They just don't have anybody playing that position right now. Yeah. And I wanted to say this, too, earlier. Mm-hmm. We've talked so much about the corner position, um, and it's been described as a thin room and an area of need, and I certainly agree with that. But we don't talk about Byron Murphy that much, a guy, again, who did not play in the preseason. He is very, very important for what the Cardinals, if, if they if they are going to accomplish what they want to, he's got to be worlds better. Yeah, And he started out great last year, and as that defense faded, he he kind of faded too. Right, He's a very important part of that defense First that we week, don't talk about a lot. Yeah, that's a good point. First 10 weeks of the season, he was making big plays almost every week. Uh, I, I think you're right. You mentioned earlier, it, the, the Cardinals are counting on, by my count, three players flashing to the point of being you know, considered impact players, top 100 NFL type players. And Jalen Thompson, we've heard a lot of advanced hype about him. Dave Pash is very excited about him. Thinks he's going to be as good as Buda Baker. Byron Murphy Jr. is another one, obviously. And then the Isaiah Simmons piece, whom we did not get to see at all in preseason. I can't wait to see him play. Yeah. Uh, There's another player on the offense that's been earmarked as a breakout player by a national expert. We'll tell you who that is for the Arizona Cardinals next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. still stand in the same position I did last year. I think it's different for everyone. Uh, I think for me personally, it'll be beneficial um, just to go out there and get some looks, get some full speed reps, um, continue to learn. I've got a long way to go, so um, just continuing to get better, see different looks, learn, um, get comfortable, catch the football, build some confidence, all those kind of things. Rondale Moore, uh, that's back from August 5th. He was asked about how he feels about the preseason. And you heard him say it there. I think it'll be beneficial for me to go out there and get some full speed reps. We didn't see that at all in the preseason for Rondale Moore. <laughs> no. Much to the uh, you know, the very incredulous Jared Carlin brought that up earlier this week. It's like, why did Rondale Moore, a second year player who kind of you know floundered as as the year went on last year, why was he exempt from playing in the preseason? And he felt, I think he expected to. He felt not that different than Zayvon Collins to me. Yeah, a guy who needed yeah. reps, who they're trying to figure out the the role this year. Mm-hmm. I don't know what he did to sort of get completely opted out of the entire preseason. Yeah, but he'll he'll be fresh when the season starts. We know that. 
Yeah, well, what what he did is is they believe he's going to be good. And it again, I mean, it's really that simple. It, it, the all starters, they don't have to play, and it might be, it really might be just a player's decision. This might not be the uh, the coaching staff or the front office going, okay, these guys don't have to play. These guys definitely have to play. These guys, uh, it it might just be a hey, what do you think, Ian? You, you need some reps. You need some reps. You're, you're, you good? You're good. Okay. Yeah, no. At least in early August, he sounded like he wanted some. Now, uh, regardless of that, Peter Schrager from Good Morning Football and NFL. Network. He has pinpointed Rondell Moore as a guy to have a breakout 2022. I've got Rondell Moore from the Arizona Cardinals to make a huge leap in year number two. Rondell, if you remember last year, was a little bit off injured, was an undersized guy coming out of the draft, made plays last year when called upon against the Niners, had this big one early in the season, was rolling, got hurt, didn't do as much towards the end of the year. People kind of forgot about him. If you're drafting in a fantasy league right now, consider Rondell Moore. Uh, more from uh, Peter Schrager on uh, the role he'll believe Rondell Moore will have in this offense. If you know my relationships within the Cardinals organization, this doesn't come out of nowhere or as a dart at the board. This is Rondell Moore's opportunity to fill in for this. 103 targets, 77 receptions, right. nearly 1,000 receiving yards. Rondell's going to be taking that role in the offense. They feel like he can do that role in the offense. And oh yeah, DeAndre Hopkins isn't in there the first six weeks. And oh yeah, A.J. Green's a different body type. He's not going to be playing that position. Rondale Moore will. He's going to put up huge numbers. He's going to have a huge responsibility. And in year two in camp, he's healthy, looks the part, and looks more than worthy of his second round draft status last year. Yeah, I hope he's right. Um, am I confident about it? Yeah. I don't know, because I need to see this new usage of Rondale Moore. Yeah. He had one of the most mind-blowing stats of all uh, of football last year. He had more yards after the catch than actual receiving yards. That's that's <laughs> derelict. I mean, 438 seriously. yards after the catch, 435 receiving yards. What does that mean? And, is that they were throwing the ball to him behind the, the line of scrimmage and all I mean, the time. If you're Debo Samuel, you'd go, okay, that makes sense because he's a he's a, a ramrod truck machine. Well, oh, an angry oh, runner with and size. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. He's an angry runner with size. Rondell Moore is not bad. Rondell Moore was just getting everything behind the line of scrimmage. Yeah. That's got to change. I mentioned this to you, um, and I haven't shown you the video, but uh, John Hofling from Deadspin put together a whole piece, a video piece, on the Rondell Moore stat um, and how he was used. Here's some of it. Moore is five foot seven. His elusiveness and speed were supposed to be his biggest assets coming out of college. Yet the Cardinals seem to forget about that second one, opting only to use him on quick screens, drag slants, and ins, hoping he could break free afterward. His average depth of target was just 1.4 yards. Of the 58 qualified players to record an average depth of target less than three, Rondale Moore was the only wide receiver. All others were running backs. In fact, the next closest qualified receiver was Jetra receiver Braxton Berrios, whose average depth of target was more than five yards downfield. Both Moore's negative 0.1 yards before the catch and 1.4 yards average depth of target are the lowest figures in those categories among non-backfield receiving positions since Pro Football Reference started recording those numbers in 2018. The only guy who comes remotely close in that span is San Francisco's Debo Samuel, whose average depth of target was 2.2 yards downfield in 2020. So Arizona, you drafted Moore in the second round last year. Either start using him like the Niners use Debo or start letting him expand the field. The choice is yours. And I think it's a pretty easy one. Thanks. I think that was a really good breakdown. 
1.4 yards <laughs> per target? Yeah. How about it? Yeah. I mean, how about it? That's using speed in a box or a rectangle as we've identified it uh, in in recent years and not you know spreading the field type speed, which mm-hmm. he has. You know, is is last year at Purdue, he was among the nation le- nation's leaders in in 40-yard catches. I mean, so he's got that big playability. Well, if he, if and not to interrupt you, but if you've got this is why if to quote Dave McGinnis, if if Cliff Kingsbury is really a guru, that's a, that's a Coach Mack thing. He loves saying that. If he was really a guru, then you've got all that speed from Mondale Moore. You've got all that speed from Hollywood Brown. You've got ostensibly all that speed from Andy Isabella. If he stole, if he makes the team and isn't traded, yeah. you got a lot of potential for verticality in this offense. Well, and then you got like Zach Ertz or these tight ends cutting across the middle. And I know you're going to scoff at this, but AJ Green as a as a vertical threat with with some size. Antoine Wesley kind of plays that same role. A guy they threw yeah. the ball down the field to. It, it's exciting to think about it, but. Uh, Rondale Moore to me is the key, uh, and I agree with that piece on Deadspin. You have to change the way you use him. So I'm now hearing from a source that Rondell Moore was in fact injured, banged up, had not practiced bef- uh, since before the Ravens game. Okay, and that's why he was held out of the last two games. I don't know if he was going to play anyway, but he has not practiced in a while and even, uh, has some sort even of unknown bigger injury. news. You have sources. Wow. That yeah. use names. <laughs> well, I, I I think Vinny does too, and I think somebody got in his ear about AJ Green. Oh, that, no! He's going to be the only receiver that gets the ball. Bick, please give me some. I threw a dart. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I would was. like AJ Green to go back and be that guy. I just I just saw too much alligator arms, too much ghost tackles. I saw too much of that. And, and, and that to me, that to me says too. a lot. I saw it too, but also, um, you know, I'm not pinning it all on him. I'm, okay. I pin some of it on the quarterback. And I would feel a lot Certainly. better about me Certainly. making a bold prediction that AJ Green is going to have a resurgent year. Although he still almost had a thousand yards last year, um, but this I wasn't feel, that impactful. I Numbers feel, were very deceiving with him, in my opinion. Uh, but that's me, right? That just me. You could be uh, right, but I, I would feel better about that uh, making that projection if Kyler Murray and AJ Green had you know been on the field at the same time at all in the preseason. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Be, but again, they but they, they weren't both, even on this field in in practice no. together. <laughs> Really, but, but they vowed to get in a better place. That's half the battle. Ben. Really is, <laughs> really is, <laughs> completely. I mean, so, I listen, hate to keep going back to this point, but when the Cardinals frontline starters, mm-hmm. a lot of them will be probably less prepared for a football season than they ever have been <laughs> from from lack of preseason reps or lack yeah. of or. or Unavailability during during training camp practice. I'm going to say this. I've noticed this during the preseason. This this coaching staff, this football team, they they operate they operate at a good level, at a high level when when things are going well. There's no real pressure. There's no when there's no adversity. Everything they've got works. The delegation from the head coach to the point where last year there were basically an offensive coordinator and a defensive coordinator. Sean Coogler's got a lot of power in the system. Um, I, I think that they've, they've played a relatively clean brand of football in the preseason, which is somewhat meaningful because you got, it shows guys are focused, that they're not making tons of mental errors. So I buy all that. But again, it's what happens to this model when there's adversity. That's what's really exposed this so true. whole thing. Yeah. 
That's where they got to get. You better. don't have all your guys. Yep. Somebody's marginalized. When it's that's, yep. Yeah. When it's when it's third and eighteen. When the going gets tough. That's right. More proverbs. <laughs> when there's a will, there's a way. <laughs> it's time for character counts. Brought to you by Parker and Sons Heating, Cooling, and Plumbing. Uh, in May 2021, the Arizona Cardinals introduced the Adele Harris Scholarship to commemorate the 50th anniversary of Harris becoming the first African-American female to hold a front office position in the NFL. The $10,000 scholarship is awarded annually to assist a graduating high school student in the state of Arizona who is pursuing a career in sports. Last week, the Cardinals announced that Allison Wachtel has been the uh, selected as the 2022 recipient. A graduate of Corona Del Sol High School, Wachtel starred on the school soccer team where she served as team captain for two seasons was named a three times 6a central first team all region selection and was selected tempe all city athlete three times Wachtel was also a member of the national honor society and participated in deca and best buddies serving as secretary for both clubs she will play soccer at colorado mesa university beginning this fall where she will major in public accounting and plans on pursuing a master's degree in sports management congratulations allison and that's Character Counts brought to you by Parker and Sons Heating, Cooling, and Plumbing. Coming up next, what have the San Francisco 49ers opened themselves into by keeping Jimmy Garoppolo? We'll get the latest from San Francisco. Matt Barrows from The Athletic will join us next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Dan Bickley, Vince Murata. Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Yeah, it is the Tuesday edition, Bickley and Murata Mornings, live from the Auction Community Studios. Still awaiting a final word on the Cardinals roster cut down as well as the rest of the league. But interesting news in the NFC West yesterday is the San Francisco 49ers restructure a contract for Jimmy Garoppolo. He's staying put as their number two quarterback here with the latest on that. Joining us from The Athletic, he covers the 49ers for The Athletic. Matt Barrows, our guest on the Arizona Sports Line. Matt, good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Hello, Matt. We talked about this story for so long. Where's Jimmy <laughs> going to end up? Is he going to go to Cleveland? Is he going to get traded? Is he going to get cut? He's not going anywhere. How much uh, How much did that take you by surprise yesterday, if at all? I mean, I don't want to sound conceited that I, I knew this all along. I didn't. I was surprised. But uh, you know, I've been covering this team for uh, two decades now. I've, I've, you know, This was a team that after G- Jim Harbaugh took him to the Super Bowl, <laughs> they were going to trade Jim Harbaugh, so so nothing really surprises me anymore. And now that you see you see the details of it, um, you, you see the logic behind it. But yeah, I did think that they were going to have to cut him, uh, and that was because you know I, I, I suspected that the Forty ers would want him as a backup, but I didn't think Jimmy Garoppolo wanted anything to do with the Forty ers anymore. And he wasn't going to team meetings. He wasn't attending practices. He hadn't even met the quarterbacks coach Brian Greasy. Um, so, I mean, it seemed for all the world as if he was just itching for a fresh start somewhere else. And you understand the logic of that, too. And I think, and, and John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan are going to talk later this morning, but my guess is that this this came about late in the game, uh, and it came about very quickly. And I, I would think that it, it uh, the, the talks began around the, the second preseason game that they played, which is, you know, mid-August. 
And it came about right after Trey Lance's performance against the Texans, which, again, it's preseason football, but he trips up his own running back on the first handoff exchange, and it it was really a jarring look, especially if you had invested your future in Trey Lance. How much of this, in your opinion, is a realization that we've got too good of a roster to, 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 to risk not having the quarterback piece right and ready? Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's, that's a huge part of it. And, um, you can take that one step further. And, you know, if the, the, the 49ers have a weakness, it's at quarterback and it's at the three spots right in front of the quarterback. Um, they're, they're breaking in a new left guard, a new center, and a new right guard. Uh, those are all the guys right in front of Trey Lance, who, by the way, couldn't stay healthy last year and only a very, very, uh, you know, peak, uh, we only got a peak of him last year in, in Arizona, obviously and he also started a Week 17 game against the Texans, and he got hurt twice. He got hurt in the preseason, um, chipped a bone in his finger, and then he got hurt in the Cardinals game, hurt his knee uh, in that game where they, they ran him so much. So that's that's a, that's a big concern. I mean, uh, they, they've watched Jimmy Garoppolo not be able to make it through a full season uh, for the last five years, and they realized, okay, um, not only do we have a neophyte quarterback in Trey Lance, we've got a Rick the offensive line. We need to have some uh, insurance there. So I, I think all of that played into the equation. Matt Barrows, who covers the uh, San Francisco 49ers for The Athletic, our guest here on the Arizona Sports Line. Uh, we were discussing this earlier, and yeah, the, the cynic in me says, alright, you're bringing back Jimmy Garoppolo for a reason. Trey Lance might be looking over his shoulder, but uh, do you see this, Matt, as a situation where Trey Lance could lose his job if both are healthy? Uh, or is, is Jimmy Garoppolo kind of, uh, as you view it, just an injury safety net for the 49ers at this point? No, I mean, this is a team that aspires to go to the Super Bowl. Um, you know, last year, the 49ers did not get out of the gates well. Um, the, the beginning of the season included a, a four-game losing streak, and heading into week eight, I think it was, um, Shanahan has, has since admitted that he was ready to pull Garoppolo out of there and, and start giving Lance um, a lot of run. So I, I would imagine that it's sort of the same timeline for him. He's going to give Lance a chance. Uh, they just can't undercut him right away. I mean, that would just be disastrous for their, their future if they did that. Uh, but, I mean, if, if they're, uh, you know, if it's uh, not great and it looks like at mid midseason they're at risk of falling out of the playoff race and you do have this veteran quarterback on the bench, uh, yeah, I, I think that uh, that he would tap him at the, at that point. I mean, this is a this is a really good roster. Yeah. Uh, apart from the uh, the pieces that I just mentioned, um, and the 49ers don't want to waste that. Uh, so if if you've got Garoppolo there, the guy's taking you to the championship game. Um, two of the last three seasons, uh, I think they're going to use him if there's a a struggle. There's a lot of people who become sympathetic to Jimmy G and who said, look, man, he's this guy's beaten Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. What more do you want from this guy? And yet there's also been games, you can see it, where Kyle Shanahan doesn't necessarily trust him to throw the football in real high leverage situations. How do you think they built this bridge back and mended fences to make this possible for another year going forward? 
Well, I think this is the the John Lynch magic. Um, you know, uh, he, he's a, a first time GM and might not know this, might not know that, but um, he is he, extremely, uh, you know, friendly isn't the right word, but but he has kind of um, set the tone for this organization where they don't burn bridges. Um, you know, everything is amiable all the time, and they they maintain that relationship with Garoppolo. And, and you know, you need to mention that Garoppolo is also of that same character. Um, so, uh, with, with, you know, if it was Baker Mayfield, <laughs> I don't think it would have worked. With Kyler Murray, I don't think it would have worked. Hmm. Uh, but the, the personalities involved here, um, I, I think th- that was going on. And I think that Garoppolo just ran out of options. He realized yeah. um, he wasn't going to be, be a, uh, certainly a beginning-of-the-season starter anywhere that he went. Um, I'm not sure he was going to make as much money as the 49ers are, are paying him. He, he can make up to $16 million. I mean, that's starter money, um, and, and he's at the backup. So those two things were good, and he's got an opportunity to play on a very good team. So, you know, the backdrop of all this for Garoppolo is that he's going to be a free agent in March. So he wants to kind of put himself on display in the best way possible. And I I don't think that his options elsewhere were looking very good. And so, you know, both both sides realized that they were the best for each other. And that's why the deal got done. Talking with Matt Barrows from The Athletic here on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Before we let you go, and I know there's still a couple weeks before the season gets on underway officially but how are you knowing what we know now about san francisco how do you think they stack up in the nfc west against the rams cardinals and seahawks i mean i think they stack up really well um you know it's it, it's a huge question mark i i every time i'm asked this i liken the 49ers to uh the death star in star wars where you got all this awesome power all around the organization the defense is really good the running game is really good the special teams are way better than they were last year but you got this little hole at the center of the death star that makes them vulnerable and it, it's actually a big hole it's the it's the quarterback spot so everything sort of hinges uh, on that, and, and I think that that starts to explain why they made this move yeah. for Garoppolo. Matt, thanks so much for joining us today. Really appreciate the insight. All right, anytime, guys. Talk Thank to you, Matt. Soon. Matt Barrows covers the uh, 49ers for the Athletic. He joined us on the Arizona Sports Line. Coming up next, we hit the nine o'clock hour. We'll check out some social studies with Sarah Cazell. It's Bickley Murata mornings, ninety-eight-seven FM, Arizona Sports Station.